You're listening to a Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. And welcome to a brand new Epic Film Guys Fresh Frights Review. I'm Justin. Jeremy. And this week on the show, we're talking about a movie that came to theaters recently that deserves all the discussion it could possibly get, all the praise it could possibly get. We're here to talk about it. Jeremy, what fucking movie am I talking about? We're talking about Lisa Frankenstein, a movie that's filled with teenage hormones and... Pee-pee's getting chopped off and limbs being sewn on in a mystical tanning bed, man. It's fucking horny. It's violent. There's lovey-dovey shit. It's romantic. It's harkening back to the 80s John Hughes world of teen movies. Yes. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? Not enough fucking people are talking about it, so we... As the Epic Film Guys decided that we had to talk about it on the show with this Fresh Fright review. It definitely falls in line with the horror genre. It is horror-centric if I ever did fucking see it. And we, Jeremy, had the opportunity to see it early, and we're kind of late on this Yeah, (laughs) like we always are. Um, but thank you, uh, you know, to the studio for letting us see it early and seeing like a, a really cool, you know, Universal invited us focus features, if you will. Um, and there was an axe throwing party we got miniature sandwiches. Yes, uh, there were sliders to be had. And what's interesting is, you know, spoiler alert: as we always let you know before we talk about the movie, there will be spoilers in the review but there are acts uh dismemberments in the movie and it was funny to me that you know the after party led to an axe throwing Mm -hmm. thing have you ever done axe throwing no absolutely not i am the most accident prone person ever even (laughs) though they're like oh the way we set it up it's safe i'm like no i'm gonna hurt myself it's like absolutely going to happen so it's funny is that after we saw the movie you were like hey um you know Open bar, free food, axe throwing, and I'm like, all right, well, I turned 40 in September, and uh, I got to drop some Limp Biscuits, some LBs. Stop making me feel old. I already Yeah, well, it's it's coming for me, so I'm like, I'm I'm trying to drop, you know, this baby weight that I've had for uh, almost 40 years. (laughs) Baby, 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 a baby, baby, baby. I'm uh, I'm like doing this intermittent fasting bullshit. It's uh, it's actually working pretty well for me. Um, But so you were like, yeah, there's going to be axe throwing, free booze and food. And it's like, all right, well, I don't drink. I'm fasting right now and I'm accident prone. I'm like, well, Justin, you have yourself a grand glorious time, my friend. I didn't throw any axes. And, of course, I didn't see any assholes in which I wanted to throw an axe into their forehead I just thought you meant I didn't see any assholes. I'm like, was that on the the invitation? Like, yeah, come throw axes, eat tiny sandwiches, look at buttholes. I'm just saying, though, there would have been cardio there, you know, to correspond with the heavy carbs, (laughs) you know, the protein, all that shit. But, ladies and gentlemen, this movie, I mean... I know a lot of people went out to see it. Not enough Not people enough. went out to see it. So Lisa, Lisa Frankenstein, yes. This movie we've been talking about on the show for quite a few weeks here, directed by Zelda Williams. Jeremy, tell our audience who the fuck she is if they don't already know who she the is. The daughter of Robin Williams. The late, great, amazing. Iconic like gift of a human being that we never fucking deserved Robin Williams. Yeah. And she's done some directing of music videos. She's acted in some shows and stuff, but this was her big first directorial debut. And unfortunately, Jeremy, the movie it's done very little. I mean, it had a budget of, uh, I believe about 5.4 million ish. 
and it's done 13 million as of the date of this recording so we're a little bit late on this one so i'm happy to see it's done double its budget but it's unfortunate because it came out as a valentine's day movie and it is the perfect it's like a quintessential valentine's day movie to take anyone to i think teen regardless of their age i mean uh the majority of people our age jeremy grew up with john hughes movies or you know the horror movies that we loved and it's the perfect marriage of those two kinds of movies together and i think for the up-and-coming goth if you will you know i mean a lot of the the youth that are into that style this movie just harkens back to those kinds of movies that they don't get anymore and it connects on a deep level um this movie if you're uninitiated if you have not seen the trailers is a coming of rage love story about a teenager and her crush who happens to be a corpse after a set of horrific circumstances bringing him back to life to embark on a journey to find love happiness and a few missing body parts so you know jumping right from the beginning here um you and i had talked about this on the show months ago um, but just to refresh our audience a little bit, how did you feel about this movie from the get-go in terms of your excitement for it? Were you excited for Lisa Frankenstein? Journey? I mean, I was. You know, it wasn't something that I was like, holy shit, I gotta go see me some Lisa fucking Frankenstein, but it was something that I, I did have some, some interest in. You know, it wasn't a situation of like, ah, I guess I'll go see this thing. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, dude. Um, you know, horror is is hard to do. Comedy is hard to do. What's really fucking hard to do is horror comedies, right? One hundred percent. So I couldn't have said it better. So myself. especially recently, I went back and and rewatched uh, Shaun of the Dead, and holy fucking shit, man! Like that movie is should be like the playbook for how to write a, a horror comedy because the horror is fucking fantastic and the comedy is fantastic. Um, and you know they don't make a parody out of the horror. I feel like if you're making a good horror comedy. You can't make fun of the horror genre, right? Um, you have to play it straight, but also the the comedy stuff has to really work, man. And this movie mostly mostly worked for me, but uh, it I I was stoked to go see this with you, and uh, I I loved you know the aesthetic in this movie. And the one thing that I'm gonna say off off the bat is um, Jenna Ortega. I think she's wildly um, wildly, t- uh, talented and I get why she's a phenomenon right now. But the reason I bring that up is because I think that Catherine Newton needs to be in that same sentence. Okay. 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 Cause I was going to say, I was like, woo, 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 woo. Wait a minute here. <laughs> Jenna Ortega. I know, I know, movie, I know, but, I know everybody, you know, everybody you know. listening to this is like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> well, the reason I bring that up is because no, I'm, no, no, no. Right, yeah, so, I'm, man. Right, I'm so. honestly, I'm, I, I think Jenna Ortega is great for what she is. I'm not the biggest Jenna Ortega fan. Um, what I am a big fan of is, is Catherine Newton after this movie. Like, I, you know, I saw her in Freaky and then some other things. And this one really made me go, I fucking love this chick. I think she's a fantastic, uh, fantastic actress. Um, and the performance that she gives in the movie, she fucking nailed it, man. She's incredible. Now I'm like, all right, I'm a little hyped to see Abigail now because she's in that movie that's coming out because how wonderful she was in this movie. And, like, literally, what a huge feat to carry for this film because, I mean, honestly, this movie lies on her shoulders, it really if, does. If, if yeah, she didn't knock it out of the park, the movie was not going to work at all. And I feel like, dude, home run from her. Cannot wait to see what she does next. Cole Sprouse. I mean, we're going to get into a whole bunch of different shit. Um, oh, his yeah. His physical comedy uh, was was so fantastic. And his ability to emote his emotions um, with no dialogue. Man, Kudos to that guy. In full fucking Dude, makeup. full makeup. You know? Um, <laughs> I'm glad that that dude's getting his come up, too. You know? Uh, it's hard for child actors to, uh, you know, kind of reinvent themselves and, and continue to... After Zach and Cody, I mean, dude, listen. I know, you know, your little girls are still a little bit young for that, but my daughter is now 20. But Zach and Cody was definitely a show that we watched 
consistently when my daughter Kaya was growing up, like all the fucking time. And never did I ever think in my wildest dreams that one of them would be a zombie, you know, in a great performance in an upcoming awesome let's, horror Let's movie. talk about this right so. now in the same sentence as talking about um, Sprouse as a zombie. Dude, I literally looked at you during the movie and said, <laughs> Jesus Christ. This happens often. Uh, for sure. But they... It had to have been intentional, right? And you, because dur- I mean, during the movie, you literally said it's very intentional. But there was a point, you know. I feel like Tarantino right now. I'm like, I'm, I'm like so hyped up to be talking about this movie with you. Listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Are you wanting to talk about feet? Or? <laughs> I, listen, she had the most amazing feet ever. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, there's quite a few nods to the Corpse Bride in this movie. How could there not be, given the uh, the plot of the movie? But there were literal moments of this movie where, with the makeup, they made Sprouse look exactly like Johnny Depp. And I do. Oh I, yeah, one hundred. I looked at you and yes. went, "Dude, they made him look like like he looks like Johnny Depp." And you were like, "Very intentional, very intentional." But uh, it was uh. Something that it was just kind of like, wow, like it, it was honestly really impressive that they were able to pull it off on that level because it fucking looked just like him at certain points. It did. And also, like when you watch the movie, you don't even really from start to finish notice that it's Sprouse, you know, because when you first see him and we'll get to that in a few minutes, but like the makeup is so heavy. I mean, he's like full on fucking zombie, like full mask and all that. And then throughout the movie, he kind of transcends that he evolves. And, you know, we find out later on that he knows that if you use this tanning bed that (laughs) Lisa's stepmother has, and she's fried to a fucking crisp. She's like KF motherfucking (laughs) C top crispy it was her step it was her stepsister Um, taffy she she won it in a uh, beauty pageant yeah so they 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 both be using that shit and they're both super dark and they realize like hey if you put like a new body part on this guy and put him in the tanning bed it will actually heal him interesting interesting way um to kind of Re- yeah, animate. so the tanning bed was broken, and there was a, a scene early on in the movie where Lisa um, goes to use the tanning bed, and she gets electrocuted um, because there's an issue with the tanning bed. And so that's when, uh, later on in the movie, uh, when our Frankenstein, if you will, he knows that the whole... Re- the creature. Yes, he knows <laughs> He knows that... Uh, uh, he was reanimated from being struck by lightning. So he knows that if, if, if a new body part is sewn onto him, that in order for it to basically be activated, there's gotta be some electricity. So that's when she's like, Oh my God, the tanning bed. And it dude, I think that that's such a cool, simple little plot device. I fucking love it, man. man. I fucking love it because I mean, now in retrospect, 2024, we know, how terrible tanning beds are for you um you know what it does to your skin it causes skin cancer to some people um growing up i had an aunt i will not name her but she had a tanning bed and a hot tub at her house and i was like love going there i'll tan i'll get a fucking hang out in the fucking hot tub i might drink a wine cooler if she sneaks me one in my teens awesome (laughs) felt like this movie a little bit but it was a cool way to like kind of connect the past um you know we we meet this character of lisa swallows and uh great name by the way um you know you got to give all the credit in the world to diablo cody Everyone in the horror world knows her now. They didn't know her 20 years ago, but motherfuckers be talking about Jennifer's body like it, it's all about like that's their life plan is to bring that up. And, you know, she came back and she wrote this thing. And 
Let's just go out on a limb right now and just say that one of the best things about this movie is the writing, is the dialogue. Um, But, you know, we meet this character that we connect with that feels like a John Hughes movie. And she goes to this fucking party and she's like, you know, we find out very early on that she's still fucking reeling from her mom's gruesome axe murder. I didn't totally expect that. Like, oh, shit, we're going to see her mom get brutally murdered first thing in the movie you know when her dad remarries uh to someone that she absolutely hates this horrible narcissistic woman named janet and you know the first actual social interaction we see with her is her at a fucking party and her new sister brings her to this party and she drinks this drink and you can tell she's not a heavy drinker she's not into drugs or anything but she drinks it and then of course what happens is like, you know, she kind of starts to hallucinate and such, and she ends up in this graveyard. Now, Jeremy, I missed about the first five minutes due to traffic and such, but you said I didn't miss much. You didn't. But yeah. from what I've read, like she Lisa has this obsession with this graveyard, mm-hmm. this bachelor's dra- graveyard or whatever. Yeah, it's like it's like a, an abandoned long forgotten graveyard that people in the town are like that fucking graveyard's creepy as shit because it's been untended to for so long so it's like overgrown with weeds and plants and it's you know it's not appealing looking so lisa hangs out there she's a loner um there was a you know they made it a point to say that there was a period of time where she literally didn't speak or talk to anyone at all yeah uh, she was like catatonic after what happened to her mom with the murder so she's spending some time in this graveyard by herself and she sees this this grave that has a statue of a very handsome young man and she talks to it and she tends to the grave and that's the setup right there yeah and you know i've come out on the show over the last couple years or so and you know really made claim to say like i'm so sick of fucking movies showing bullies we have a sense of bullying in this movie but it's not so over the top what we really have is lisa just trying to fit in and pushing her way into that group there's a boy that she really has the hots for and for some reason this really again i'm just gonna say unattractive girl he's hanging out with that has this drink that she got from some other dude in which Lisa drinks and apparently we're led to believe Jeremy. I don't know if I'm right or wrong here, but it has PCP in it and she's like hallucinating off that. So from there, you know, she goes on and she's just like walking around this party. Clearly she's not super into doing drugs and such. And then she has her lab partner trying to rape her, which is, uber fucking gross yeah man. it was it That's was because at first this guy makes it seem like oh my gosh like what's wrong are you okay and she has been drugged and she's like oh, i don't feel good and he's like it's it's okay like i can help you and it seems like you know he's earnest in his wanting to help her and then of course he has ulterior motives here and you know it's a plot device because we're supposed to hate him Right, we're supposed to hate him. We're of also course. supposed to hate the yeah. chick who uh, spiked the drink with the drugs. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, they never murdered her. They didn't murder her, and she claimed that somebody else spiked the drink. You know, she was so. such an unlikable character that spoiler, as we stated, uh, spoiler. I, I was so surprised that they didn't off her like that. She wasn't part of the body count in this movie. Yeah, no, she, she, she lives through it. I mean, and there's confrontations with her on numerous occasions. I was like, you know, that's maybe one of the things that I have issue with. in the movie is like, dude, you're going to go after a handful of people in this movie, which we'll get to. But the one that actually like tries to fuck you over the worst, you know, hands you the drink, whatever. Um, Kind of she's an asshole. That character's an asshole. Runs off unscathed. Yeah, yeah she, she she's an asshole. She's a she's a total fucking bitch. She gets off unscathed, but I digress. But so this whole thing, as you said perfectly, leads. It's a plot device to lead her to. She's totally fucked up. She's drugged. She's like fuck this dude. You know, I'm gonna go to the cemetery again. And she speaks to the grave of this young Victorian bachelor, 
and she says to him, I wish I I was with you. And, you know, she goes back to her <laughs> house uh, and we see a bolt of lightning in classic Frankenstein style, you know, or we could say Jason lives style yep. right to the center of his heart. And it brings him back to life. And then this creature um, the following day finds his way to her house and then of course as i always like to say on the show hijinks fucking ensue and hijinks ensue while lisa is watching one of your favorite movies of all fucking time which is a great fucking moment because she's like no i don't want to see look who's talking with her family and her stepmom she's like no i'm just gonna stay at home after like the sewing job she does she's like at like a tailor shop or some shit and dude so you know she's watching a movie and it's one of your favorite movies of all fucking time. And you tune to me, you're like, oh, who is it? None other than Day of the Dead. It's Bub. <laughs> it's Bub on the screen. And, you know, interesting choice because we've seen so many fucking movies where Night of the Living Dead pops up on the screen because it's, you know, public domain and stuff, and it's easy to do and always welcomed. But it was awesome to see Day of the Dead show up. You Unexpected know? for sure. Yeah. So that shows up, and then, of course, you know, two seconds later, the creature sh- is, like, basically knocking on her door and getting into the house and terrorizing Lisa and... You know, it doesn't take long. It's a really entertaining scene, by the way. I really love this sequence. It's very funny, very comedic, where, like, you know, he's chasing her around the house, and we're led to believe he might be trying to hurt her. And in essence, he's just trying to be like, yo, you called and I'm for here, me, bitch. And I'm here. And <laughs> I'm here. It'd be impossible for us to not talk about this as well, but this movie sure, in sure. so many different ways and elements also feels and looks at times like a Tim Burton film. Um, the neighborhood, the, oh, na- sure. the neighborhood sure. absolutely sure. looks like it's straight out of a, of a Tim Burton movie. Um, the score to this is very reminiscent of Danny Elfman style at various different times throughout the movie. Um, again, going back to the, the corpse bride thing, you can, you can tell that Tim Burton, it was like a, like a mix, man. Like they were like, they threw Tim Burton in a blender uh, they threw John Hughes in a blender and they just let it go and they poured out the recipe here and that's kind of what we got and it's it's fantastic in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, let's be clear here. No one else is doing no. this. So um, openly welcome for people to, to, to make movies influenced by the names you mentioned. I mean, no one's making John Hughes teen movies anymore. And if anything, we don't get that many Tim Burton homages anymore either. So it's it's cool to see a movie that is influenced by a decade and then, of course, a style mixed together by someone like Zelda Williams with a Diablo Cody script that really just sets out to do something very specific. And... Not only does it harken back to that kind of movie, but I'm sure you will agree with me, Jeremy, it harkens back to the Teen Wolves and the movies of the 80s, like, the, in essence, the boy and his monster, like, or, you know, like, Once Bitten, or there's so many we could mention where a character, I would even dare say, you know, uh, just one of the guys, where there's a character that's a loser, no one likes him and someone kind of like comes upon him and ends up affecting his life or their life rather. And then they change into this super confident, different character. And when, when we le- meet Lisa, uh, she's cool. She likes good music, but she's kind of like, as she says herself, this dorky person, you know, and when the creature comes upon her and they meet and they start connecting and, and, and one of the funniest scenes in the movie is him throwing wardrobe mm-hmm. at her, like try this on. She does it to him. He does it to her. And she's like, that's not really my style. And then he kind of pushes this super uber over the top goth style on her to the point where she's wearing her stepsister's like Halloween costume. And then she's walking in school, like with these 
super cool slow motion shots like walking down the hall where everyone's like totally fawning over her and like holy shit she's hot what the fuck happened and this is what happened all the time in 80s movies jeremy where uh, the, the main character was always attractive, <laughs> but they put a little makeup on them or they would change their hairstyle. They'd put a fucking jacket on them or something different. And next thing you know, they come in the next day and everyone's like, it'd be this moment like, holy shit. And then everyone wants to, in other words, fuck them <laughs> or hang out with them or whatever it may be. You know, in essence, it's a high school movie. So, yes, everyone wants to fuck them. But in this movie, it's 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 an, a situation where Lisa gains this ultra confidence in herself where we know that after she loses her mother and her dad remarries to this super over-the-top narcissistic stepmother who she can't stand you know she's had confidence issues you know and she has like you said earlier on she hasn't spoken much and now you know this creature this zombie has kind of given her a new way of thinking and this new way of confidence, so much so that, you know, it leads to murder. Murder in the first degree, motherfucker. Um, <laughs> you know, she's just like, hey, listen, uh, um, you can tell she's innocent in this. She just, again, anyone that's had a step parent that sucks, it sucks. I've been there. Uh, lots of people have. And in this case, her stepmother really fucking hates her uh and they're having this argument and she's about to leave town uh in terms of the stepmother and dude the creature's like sick of hearing this shit he's sick of fucking hearing her be an asshole take uh, treated like a piece yeah. of shit and he takes a sewing machine and smashes it over her fucking head and kills her and that's the first murder in the movie, it and was such a it was such a good one bring... because they Carla yeah. Gugino, uh Did I say that right? I Gugino 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 Janet Swallows. Yeah. Yes, chick, Lisa, chick Lisa from Son in Law. Um. <laughs> yes, that's true. Oh my god, um, that's crazy. But yeah, I that's mean, crazy. dude, they make her such an unlikable character that when. Uh, the creature finally smashes her over the head with the uh, the sewing machine. It was it was so earned, and we were like, "Oh fucking thank God!" But instantly, it was like the stress of like, "Okay, well now what do we do?" And man, I think one of the best parts of this movie was that it kind of went against uh, archetype for the stepsister, even though she was so beautiful and. Gorgeous. Oh my god! Honestly, Ooh, honestly, gorgeous. one of probably one of the most beautiful chicks that I've ever seen in a movie. I was like, I was like, wow, this chick is really, really pretty. Um, a great performance, one hundred percent for sure. Um, typically in these kind of movies, the beautiful stepsister that's the most popular girl girl in school would be an asshole, right? And and yeah, and, she'd be and a everybody bitch, right? else yeah. would be like to the to our main character. Why can't you be more like them? You know, but and and the stepsister would typically typically rub it in your face like, oh, I've got this and I'm dating the most popular boy in school. And, you know, if you dressed better, X, Y, Z, dude, Taffy, which is Lisa's sister in the movie, stepsister. She was so sweet and always nothing but kind to Lisa. So, dude, she would offer to borrow, let, let her borrow her clothes, you know, and, use my tanning bed want, I mean, like. Dude, she 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 was there at the party mm -hmm. when you know stuck the bully up for gave her. her stuck up for her, protected her. Um, we'll get to how she's treated later on in the movie in a, in a little dude, bit. Yeah, here, but a great the character, worst, a great dude, character. I like even though her mom was a piece of shit in the movie that you hated, that you wanted the monster to kill. When Jeremy, let's be clear here. You said she was a piece of shit, but when she showed up in that fucking one piece gym outfit i heard you say damn oh, God. i said i said i say i say god <laughs> that, that damn pink, that pink blue and fucking purple Dude. outfit and she went before she ate that cottage cheese with the fucking worm carla, carla Gugino, <laughs> uh you know after son-in-law and watch watchmen and 
and all this other shit that she's been in, you know, for decades and decades in uh, in Hollywood, she still has it, man. Gorgeous, God. beautiful Damn. woman. No, but I, lo- I loved it. I thought it was so funny that we're in a, a theater and, like, it's totally silent. And when she sh- she went to the door in that scene and she was wearing that pink, purple, and blue <laughs> fucking one-piece leotard, and I heard Jeremy just go, Damn. God. God. Damn. <laughs> I was like, well. And in and, 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 and reality, though, they nailed that 80s aesthetic, too. They yeah. nailed, I have to bring this up now, though, um, while we're talking about it, they nailed the clothing. Mm-hmm. And I complain about this so fucking often, dude, when we're watching movies that harken back to the 80s. Um, you know, they got everything right. They actually captured vintage clothing. Like, you could tell they grabbed vintage shit for these people to wear. Um, rather than just try to remake stuff and make it not look legitimate, the house that th- that they live in is pink from the outside. It's a creative choice, right? Um, the inside is like gaudy pink and stuff, but all the furniture, you know, all of the knickknacks and stuff like that, the mirrors, the TV, everything, the couches, the furniture, all that stuff. For the most part, I would say is about 85% accurate. Because you know me, man. Like, I know that shit to mm-hmm. a T. And, you know, any one of us that loves 80s horror, we watch that shit, and I'm sitting there, and I'm not only watching the kills, but I'm like, yeah, that's a nice yeah. couch. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that picture in the yeah, background. Yeah. What, what a nice desk back there. They nailed all of that. Yeah, yeah I mean, so it, it, you feel awful for the stepsister that she's like, I hope mom's okay. Like I, I hope she's okay. And like Lisa's like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure she's fine. Even though she knows damn well that her stepsister's mom is <laughs> in a fucking grave in the graveyard. And, and there's a whole, there's a, dude, the whole thing is, is like there's a huge pool of blood on her fucking very light colored. <clears throat> uh, there it oh. is. Ooh, boom, carpet, um, and. She's trying to hide it. One of the great suspense scenes of the movie where she's trying to hide that and they're talking and, you know, they call the hotel and they're like, oh, my mom didn't show up and oh, I'm sure she's fine. But we all know her fate that occurred in Lisa's bedroom. And then it's like very quickly the movie turns into this thing where Lisa becomes this very powerful figure to herself and she knows she has this ace in you know her her back pocket which is the creature pet monster if anyone yeah if anyone fucks with her she's got an end like they're getting fucked and the dude that ends you know in the beginning of the movie that assaults her well his fate is next because she's realizing the creature you know he's got limbs missing and shit like he can't hear you know they try, <laughs> they try attaching the stepmother's ear to his e- he to his head so they can hear and stuff, and so they she, Lisa lures the guy that tried to ass- well he technically assaulted her at the party to this park and then of course well they kill him a, they hand- kill him. They kill him. His hand gets chopped off, and then of course the creature just. Gets, it's funny how like impatient he gets. He's like, you know, he's like moving around and sporadically. He's like, fuck this, and he takes, the, you know, the, the small axe and throws it and kills the dude. It's like, all right, cool, you know, like for PG thirteen. I was you shocked. Know, you and I, I was shocked, and I told you that I was like, this is this has got to be an R. Yeah, it's got to be an R. We both thought it was an R while we were watching it, even though like I thought that I remember that it was PG-13, but when we left it, we were like, this has got to be R. You kept saying it's R. And then I looked at the poster that was outside of the, the screening. I was like, holy shit, this is PG-13. This movie, for what we see in it, is absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. We see blood in this movie. We don't see actual like full-on decapitations, if you will, but for PG-13, I was like, well, this movie is horny, tons of sexual innuendo, and it's violent as fuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see acts getting thrown at people and, like, blood splatter. So, to me, that's pretty violent for a PG-13. Yeah, I uh, my mind was blown when we found out that it was PG-13. I was like, well, holy shit. I guess a lot, a lot is implied, and there's a lot of cut shots and things like that, but... I feel like there's there's some there's yeah, some good red lot, stuff in there, yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, 
So, moving along with the plot and such, just so we can get through the review, you know, um, that Doug dude, you know, he gets his hand cut off and he's dead. And then so police start investigating this thing and the creature hides the bodies and he starts looking like his old self and he and Lisa start to bond and there starts to be this romance and this um, is where it becomes like a like a deconstruction of like an '80s rom com or a John Hughes, yes, because it's yes. it's the same thing with one of these movies where it's you know our our lead character is looking for love and they they have somebody that they're infatuated with while they have you know the geeky best friend if you will that you know truly loves our lead character and would treat them exactly how. They want to be treated, and then the best friend is always the one who's actually the perfect match for the lead, and our lead doesn't find out until the end of the movie that the person that they're supposed to be with was right in front of them the whole time. Isn't it frustrating? I found it frustrating. Even though I know that's the formula. It is the formula. I was like, I was like he's right yeah. there. Seriously, he's And it's right funny there. because I mean, he's in dead, the trailer when, but... she, when she looks at the grave <laughs> and she says, I wish that I was with you. She specifies right, when he comes yeah. back to life. He's like, here I am. And she's like, oh, no, I, I just meant I wish I was with you, like, dead. Dead. <laughs> Not with you, with you. And he's like, mm. <laughs> you know. But we but we both know watching the movie, the audience knows she doesn't necessarily mean Yeah. That. She wants this dude at school, which. He's like the editor of, he, of the school paper or some shit. He's cool. He's got a leather jacket, you know, like he's got long hair. He's attractive. He's the bad boy. Listens to cool music. Cool. Yep. Yeah, I mean, but the moment that made me cry, and I shit you not, you didn't see me crying, Jeremy, but it's when the creature we find out was a musician mm-hmm. when he was alive, and they play Ario Speedwagon's mm-hmm. Keep On Loving You on the piano, and he's playing it, and Lisa's singing it, and normally in a mainstream movie, they would cut that kind of scene short, but they play almost mm-hmm. the whole movie. Or, I'm sorry, they play almost mm-hmm. the whole song, rather. And it warmed my heart. I was like, this is a movie taking its time and doing whatever it 100%. wants. 100%. And I appreciated that, because that, that whole sequence, I was like, don't stop, keep going, because this is what makes me connect to mm-hmm. these characters. And I loved every fucking bit of it. It's so romantic. Romance has been lost from so many modern movies. I'm sure you agree with me. I'm not sure if you're as romantic as I am, but I think I think you are. I think you are. I think deep down you're you're hopeless romantic the same way that I am, even if you don't even admit it. Sure. But to me, this this moment in this movie was like it just nailed me. It was something was like, special in for terms sure. Of, yeah. And regardless if you like the song or not, it was just it, it hit me. And then right afterwards, what I love so much is she's like, um, you're going to have to go upstairs because she's been hiding him in his her closet, rather. And she's like, I have to go change my pad. You have to go hide <laughs> it back in my closet. That was funny as shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved the shit out of that because there's that realism to it. And that's something that, you know, you probably wouldn't have heard. I mean, John Hughes was, you know, ultra realistic in terms of his presentation of teenagers in the 80s and stuff but it just felt real my favorite piece of comedy in the movie i don't even want to spoil it like i'm not going to even tell you what it is but it involves you're not going to no, it, it, it involves okay, a right. dildo and holy oh that's well that's right after that's right after that yeah, shit yeah, yeah. man that that scene made me <laughs> laugh old the school hardest. Di- those old school old school dildos with those huge uh, well, you know. <laughs> We might have one oh upstairs, but. but dude, yeah, that was the the funniest <laughs> comedy bit for me that I I laughed so hard at it was it was fantastic, and I, I love that Catherine Newton as as Lisa Frankenstein, uh, she plays this really reserved geek finding herself so perfectly, and dude, again, you know this movie's on her shoulders and she's super funny in the moments that she's supposed to be super funny like um what i'll say is that in the scene with the dildo um she says a remark and it was very like almost like napoleon dynamite esque uh, i remember you saying that yeah i loved it i loved it, loved like, it, you it know, man. 
within the tone of that. Yeah, for sure. And um, I don't recall many people in the crowd laughing, but I remember oh, I was you and I both losing laughing it, out loud. You know, I think I think, you know, this is something to be said about this movie that if you're in on the joke, if you're in on it and you're connecting with it, you're going to feel it 100 percent. There are those people that may watch this that, you know, it's just not their shit. It's not their thing. And they may not connect with it. But, you know, I think for us, it was like the perfect blend of the things that we both sure. love mixed together where we just really connected with that and then dude from there on once you're in that world everything else is just like you know it's all entertainment value and th- that moment for me was so hilarious and i was like you know it, but it's heartwarming and it's interesting to see a movie like that bring up such a subject but it still feels like I, it warmed my heart a little bit is that weird no no it 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 <laughs> you know? it worked in it's at this point in the movie that you also start to really see that the creature has absolutely fallen for Lisa and exactly. just wants to do whatever she needs in whatever moment she needs it. Yeah, and then from there, the movie kind of goes off the deep end as we would consider like most of these movies of the era would do. You know, the police have already started to investigate these murders. So, you know, Lisa avoids being implicated before going to the home of her crush, which this sequence is very difficult to deal with. You know, we have her stepsister who's dealing with the loss of her mother or, you know, she's missing, if you will. She doesn't know if she's dead or not yet. And Lisa's like, I want to fuck this dude. Like, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. I'm probably going to go to jail. Uh, and she tells the creature, like, you're going to take me. We're going to go do this. We're going to go to his house, and I'm going to go fuck him. And the creature does. The creature doesn't want to bring her and is trying to talk her out of it for obvious reasons. He's in love with her. Yeah. So he take. well, he drive. it's funny because he drives <laughs> her there. I'm like, you know, he's, he's Michael Myers yeah. driving. It, it always leads me back to Halloween where, <laughs> like, he can't drive, and, you know, and then, of course, Dr. Loomis is like, he was doing very well last night. <laughs> he was you doing know, very like, well last oh. night. You know, and then in this case, the creature is driving really fucking well. He's just driving around doing his thing. And they get to the crush's house, and Lisa goes upstairs. She's all dressed up. She's ready to, like, shoot her shot. And then she sees none other than her stepsister. That, that Laffy Taffy. Who already fucked her crush. And this this is the moment in the movie, Jeremy, where I could not believe what I was seeing for a PG-13 rating. She freaks out. Lisa freaks out. And then the creature comes in the room. And dude, holy fucking shit. He cuts the motherfucker. He cuts the dick off, man. He he cuts the dick off, bro, because the creature had basically let Lisa Frankenstein know, like, hey, uh, my penis is not still intact from having, you know, been a corpse for a long time. So I assumed it was rotted. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. So he he needs a dangalang. He needs a kang dangalang. Um, So, you know, uh, the crush of Lisa, who was banging. Lisa's stepsister, the creature comes in and chops his ding dang off, and and for us in a PG thirteen oh, film to get away with that too, is all you see is the shadow of the dick flying through the air, like reflecting on the wall. So and then quickly the creature goes and picks it up. He's like, "All right, I'm out." Like he literally leaves and rushes home to get, you know, the most important for him member reattached so he's like stoked he's like i gotta get this dick like right now it has to be attached so he leaves and taffy is she's basically sally from texas chainsaw massacre like she just watched a zombie murder the guy that she's been banging and chop his dick off so uh taffy is covered in blood she's hysterical she has no idea what the fuck's going on and Lisa just throws her in Lisa the fucking thro- car. And Isn't because, that hilarious? Because, and, and even Lisa brings it up, 
Taffy has always been so nice to her and so considerate. And even though she banged Very her true. crush, yeah. um, she's always been the only person who's truly been great to her. Even her own dad has kind of neglected her and her needs after her mother got murdered. And he quickly, you know, married this lady that that's awful to her. So Taffy truly was the only person in her life that really was going above and beyond to be nice to her and, and caring for her. So even though she's upset, and this is another reason why I like this movie a lot, is because typically you'd be like, oh, well, you were fucking, you know, my crush. So creature, go ahead and murder her, right? You would expect, you would expect, you would expect it, but no, Lisa. Yeah, for her to kill her, but no, still, no she, Lisa she, wanted to take. She yeah, Lisa wanted to and, take care of her and was like, "It's okay, come on, Taffy." You know, she cares about her because, to be clear, like the whole movie, even though Taffy is like this quintessential like cheerleader, like airhead type, she's really not. Like she's written very smart. You know, she's just doing her own thing, and she's ready to please she's just one of those people and i love that it was written that way and not just airhead you know like we're a typical john hughes movie i mean he did give depth to the mm-hmm. airhead so i maybe i should take a few steps back if you will but in the traditional 80s sense the airhead was an airhead you know um so that's where the smart writing comes in here so taffy gets spared but she's like absolutely horrified by what she sees but what happens here jeremy is one of the most uh, i mean i love the shit out of how dark and weird this is so the creature and lisa go back to the tanning bed they cut off dude's dick and he puts it on himself and she like sews it on him and he goes into the tanning bed so she can fuck him this is the moment where they realize and and I teared up during this part. Like, again, I was like, oh, she realizes, like, you love me. You're in love with me. You want to be with me. And the creature, even though he can't speak at this point, he's, like, you know, accentuating these movements and these mannerisms to let her know, like, everything I've been doing is you. based on what you said that you, you want to be yeah. with me. And And they have sex. And then, you know, the ending is pretty epic i don't know if you want to lay it on the line and let our listeners know exactly what it is but you know it's like kind of like it feels like heather's in the tone a little bit but lisa's like you know i want to be with you and if i can't be with you i don't want to be anywhere so she gets in the tanning bed and the creature basically electrocutes her and the entire tanning bed little, I don't know if you call it, a shed, if you will, <laughs> goes up in flames, and then, like, they're both burning. You're, you're led, yeah, and you're led to believe that they both burn, burn together down. in romantic yeah. fashion, that they're, they're, they know that, you know, the walls are closing in, they committed these murders. In true romantic sure. fashion. And right? we're, we're going yeah. out together while you find out in, in the last scene in the movie that, the creature takes her and they actually escape from the fire. So they don't burn up in the fire, but uh, le- we don't know that until later, until on, later on I mean, um, you find out. Yeah. yeah you the, find yeah, out yeah. that uh, she is basically undead now, just like the creature. And did you catch Zelda, the director, her nod to her father in the very, the very last scene of the movie? Oh, please elaborate. Yes, so, I don't know if you recall what the creature is wearing while they're sitting on the bench together at the very end of the movie, but it just so happens to be rainbow-colored suspenders like Mork from Mork and Mindy, famously oh my famously God. played by her late father, Robin Williams. I didn't even pick up that, on that. That, no, that was a nod, obviously, yeah. to her father. And uh, my buddy uh, Nick Greystone was the one that was like, did you catch the reference? And I was like, no. And he hit me up, and I was like, "Holy shit, I missed that!" But yeah, it's totally there. And can you, oh man, can you imagine? You know, Robin's one of my heroes. Oh yeah, I think he's on that list for a oh, lot yeah. of us. Can you imagine if he were still alive and he saw oh, he, this? How oh, proud he in, would be of Zelda. Insanely. Like, I mean, I mean, 
the direction in this movie, aside from the script and the performances, is the strong point. And I can't wait to see what she does next. I mean, she's well suited for this kind of movie. And you can tell, like, with the sense of, you know, comedy when it lands, you know, the comedy moments when they, they hit, it's there. And that can only come from someone that understands yeah. that. And, <laughs> dude, if you're the, the offspring of, I mean, technically one of the most iconic and most prolific fucking comedians of all fucking time. Ever. yeah. You know, and not not putting too much pressure on her or anything like that, because she's done her work. She's done music videos. She's directed all kinds of smaller stuff, but this is her first movie. She's acted in stuff even way back to when she was a kid and she was in some of the stuff that he was in. Um, it, it's 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 great to see. Like, for me, it, it, it makes me feel good that his legacy is living on in his children because, I, I mean, dude, I miss him every, every day. Like, I think about whenever I watch one of his oh. movies and it kills me to know, like, that he, you know, we won't get into yeah. that, but, like, what how he, how he ended his sure. life and how that all went down and stuff. It's like this was a breath of fresh air, even though the subject material dude is like really fucking yep. dark and it goes in a really weird place. But the end of the movie is heartwarming. Yeah, it's finally it's like, the, as mon as monster yeah. fans were like this fucking rule. Yeah. You finally, know? you know, the whole film, the creature has not spoken. He's not, he's not talked. And the very last scene of the movie is him holding Lisa, and she's alive, well, un undead, if you will, um, in his arms, and he's reading uh, poetry to her, and he's speaking and he's talking, and it's like it was just a beautiful way to end the movie. And I know that not everything was perfect in this movie. There, there was a few inconsistencies, very but honestly, true. like very true, yeah. Nothing in this movie really bothered me except for the fact that they let the the asshole chick uh, who was a dick to Lisa the whole movie, like, they let her live. You you wanted her. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, she. You, you wanted she, her nailed. Like, <laughs> you wanted her nailed to a typically, fucking wall and slash her Typically, when they, make, when they go out of their way to make a character such a fucking asshole. In this case, such a fucking one hundred percent. It's because they're like, there's gonna be a payoff later when we fucking execute this character, and no, they they let her they let her live. So the, honestly, like, if I had to give one concrete gripe uh, about the film, it would probably be that. And even that, it's not that big of a deal. It's whatever. It's not that big of a deal. And you know what the thing is? I think that was done intentionally. Yeah. You know, um, my main issue walking away from it is. You know, and like I said, after we saw the movie was tonal in inconsistencies, if you will. Like um, there are moments where there are murders uh, that are horrific and done uh, tonally, like very seriously. And then uh, very quickly after that, we're dealing with characters that are mourning those murders. And during the murders, they're done with this sense of comedy and I love comedic murders and horror movies. That's one of my favorite things. But the aftermath of those murders were done in such a serious way that I felt so bad mm -hmm. for the character that I was like, it didn't tonally connect in the same way. So I think there are some tonal inconsistencies in the movie. But let's face it, my friend, seriously, for a directorial fucking debut, you got to run. Admit, dude. I mean, that's that that's like the smallest gripe to have with this movie mm. motherfuckers you know uh, no one's going to see this in the theater right now and everyone in the world should be going to see this it's pg fucking 13 you know it's super fun great characters um there's romance there's murder there's great musical numbers there's style there's aesthetic there's 80s you know, nostalgia to it. Why would you not go see this thing? It's such a huge bummer. You know, like I, I, I don't understand. Like the, the marketing mm -hmm. was good. The trailers were good. Dude, why do you think no one's going to see this? Right I, I don't know. But I mean, as soon as, as we saw it and, you know, reports started coming out that the box office was not doing well for the film. I immediately started posting like guys go 
see this movie. I did the same. I did the same thing. There's a lot of our friends that are doing the same thing on Twitter and stuff. Like, again, even if you didn't think it was the best movie ever, I still think 100 fucking percent it deserves to be seen in theaters. Like, dude, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the kind of movie that you and I both want to see oh, more of. Abso- theaters, absolutely, right? which is why I yeah. immediately was like urging, you know, everyone on my social media to go see this movie because yeah. I th- I think that it's important and I and I think that it was a it was a great film that I I super enjoyed and I think that this is also a movie like a lot of 80s films that we love that with time it's going to find its audience regardless. 100%. And, and that yes. I, I do think that this will be a movie that, that fans are talking about down the line about how fucking great it is and that it's going to find its audience. I could see it becoming, you know, like you said, like Heathers or, you know, on a different level, like a Rocky Horror Picture Show that it finds a Jennifer's Absolutely. body. I mean, that's that's the thing that pisses so many people off is that, you know, that movie didn't do well and you have the same writer. And people are like, we want more of those, right? But no one's going out to see this. Show up, yeah. Show the fuck up, dude. Go to your local cinema, you know? It's not that difficult to think about this. Like, just go see it. And I know people that have seen it four or five times in theaters. I feel bad that I've only seen it once, but it's super enjoyable. It has something for literally everyone. I think even my mother-in-law. You know what I mean? Like your parents would probably enjoy it, Jeremy. You know what I'm saying? Like my kid would enjoy it. Like there's something in there for everyone, even though there's some violence in there and there's some spooky shit. I mean, it's just you said it perfectly earlier on. It's like Tim Burton married with John Hughes. And like who the fuck doesn't love those two things mixed together, you know? Um, So as we wrap this thing up, we we, got to get down to it, my friend, Jeremy trash it or treasure it where are you going with this one you know where i'm going oh i do treasure I? Oh, baby okay. treasure okay 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 yeah um lock and step with you you know as we talked about after the screening and stuff and i had some time to think about it because we're a little bit late on this review but we definitely decided we had to talk about this one it deserves to be discussed it deserves to be reviewed um hopefully you saw it before you listened to this review we talked about that we were going to spoil the whole thing before we got into it but if we spoiled the whole thing for you and you still haven't seen it go fucking see it go you know matinee or something give it your five dollars or whatever go check it out but for me it's going to be a treasure it and that was something that i thought about a lot because i wasn't necessarily walking out of the theater feeling this way but the movie will be considered a cult classic. There's so much to enjoy here. It's so lovable. Uh, great. I mean, the one thing I we didn't talk about enough is the amazing, uh, spectacular chemistry between Catherine Newton and Cole Sprouse. I mean, they're just brilliant together. Sure. They're two peas in a fucking pod, and they make this movie so fucking perfectly uh, together as a cast. And, I mean, Cole? Holy shit, dude. Zach and Cody, whatever, Big the Daddy. Fuck, whatever the show he was on, whatever it was he was yeah. on, you know, uh, the Nickelodeon shit that he was on, Disney, whatever it is, I'm probably getting it wrong, but whatever he was on, uh, he has good shit ahead for him because he was fantastic. He did full makeup for the movie. You could tell he cared a lot about, you know, hearkening back to the old school zombie and, you know, it just he had a love for what he was doing with this character, so props to him but ladies and gentlemen thanks so much for fucking listening to this episode to this fresh fright review of lisa frankenstein again if you have not seen the movie thanks for listening but if you have thanks for listening again if you haven't go fucking see it as soon as you possibly can before it leaves theaters am i right go now go fucking see this like thing. a good neighbor do it stay farm is there come on don't kill your neighbor neighbor <laughs> but (laughs) great commercial god damn it i actually i watched the whole super bowl i hate sports but i watch it every year for because the wife loves the halftime show and we watch the commercials and shit and that was my favorite commercial and of course we watch all the trailers which there was a handful which were fantastic but uh, arnold i'm glad to see you getting that paycheck it was hilarious um Someone finally fixated on your accent in the right way and made some money off it, and you made some money too. But if if this is your first time listening, thank you for listening. If this is 
you know your 100th time thanks again for listening uh, if you have not ever listened to the show before you're the best go ahead and leave us a review on itunes or spotify it takes about five seconds to do so and of course we have a patreon and we're hopefully gonna build it up to something soon we're all over social media at epic film guys you can find us everywhere in every single podcatcher but as always you know this is just something we love doing and we love that you appreciate listening and you know we appreciate you so as always my name is justin i'm jeremy and we like to ask you to keep it keep creepy it. Yeah. Bye.